This morning, the first Sunday in Lent, I want to begin by just describing to you the goal for our new series that's entitled Holy Attention. The goal for this series is very simple. We are trying to bridge the gap between heaven and earth. It's not simplistic, but it's very simple. We're trying to bridge the gap between heaven and earth. We're trying over the course of this Lenten journey to understand how the lives we live in some ways look like what the scriptures describe heaven, the new Jerusalem uh, will look like. And we want to understand where do our lives look like, what life is supposed to look like there, and how do we celebrate that and stay disciplined in it. And then where are the places that our lives look really different from what heaven and the new Jerusalem are described like in scripture, and how do we start bridging that gap and closing that gap so that our lives here look more and more like what the scripture says eternity will be like, okay? The word that I think really gets down to describing the very hallmark of what heaven is biblically is the word attention. I think heaven is a place of focused attention. Now, you might hear that and go, that sounds like a terrible definition of heaven. That sounds like an algebra class or something else that I have to take. Heaven should be more robust than that. It should be more passionate than that. It should be more emotional than that. It should, and, and all of those things are a part of heaven. But I would say to you that the, the fiber, the very core being of what eternity is going to be like is based on the idea of attention. And one of the things that we need to be aware of is that while heaven is really about focused attention, which we'll read about in a second. Sociologists tell us that more and more you and I live today in a world of increasing distraction, right? And one of the places that we, for example, often see that, that people are pointing to now, is with our phones, right? Now, I'm not anti-technology at all. Technology allows us to do many of the wondrous things that we get to do in life, and, I think, and I, I, it's a blessing, and that's good. But anything in life also has a flat side, right? And, and, and the flat side is, is that we can become very distracted by all of the information coming to us. We call it multitasking, right? Scientists tell us human brains don't actually do that very well at all, but we hear that and go, yeah, but I think I can. It's not, we're distracted, right? And, and, and that can happen. For example, in 2018, almost 1.6 million traffic accidents were caused by people who were distracted driving by using their phone. Because the text message just can't wait. It just can't wait. It's so important, right? Texting, using your phone, and driving is now far more destructive to lives and to injury and to property on the road than drinking and driving or anything else. Or take, for example, the fact that the average American adult looks at their phone 60 times a day, often right in the middle of conversations, often right in the middle of a sermon, often right in the middle of whatever else is going on in your life around you at the time. Or take the idea that 80% of us check our phones within the first 10 minutes of waking up. Whereas the scripture says that we are to be still and know that I am God, we wake up and within five to six minutes, we've got the weather, we've got a coronavirus update, we got who won the Democratic primary yesterday, we got polls on Super Tuesday that are coming up, we've got uh, world headlines of what's going on and how destructive everything is becoming all around us all at the same time. We've got uh, a sense of what carpools are, we have two text messages that came in overnight, one from work, one from a friend that we got to figure out how to get back to. We got tagged on a Facebook post and then we got to go find it really quick to see if it's the kind of picture we're okay being tagged in or whether we need to 
remove ourselves from that before our other friends wake up and go see it. And all of that happens, and we're just moving from the moment we start up with this barrage of information coming at us from the We live in an age, sociologists tell us, of increasing distraction. No, 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 it's multitasking. Scientists say we don't do that. Yeah, but I feel like I do. Heaven, the fabric of heaven, is a place, biblically, of focused attention. Now, let's look at the scripture passage that can lead us in this. It's from a book of the Bible that if you've been in the Presbyterian church for a while, you may never heard of. It's called Revelation. It actually is in the canon. It comes at the very end of the Bible. And we're going to read the first five verses of chapter 22, the last chapter in all of Scripture, where heaven, the new Jerusalem, the kingdom in its fullness, is described in Scripture. What is biblically eternity going to be like? This is what it says. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and there will be no more night. They need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Amen. This is what the Bible says heaven will be like. What the Bible says heaven will be like is it will be the moment that you and I come face to face with God. It will be the moment where we see the face of God and God looks into our eyes and we look back into God's eyes. And in the moment of that relationship and that intimacy, you and I will be so fulfilled in that attention that we will lose track of time and space. We will not be worried about who texted us three minutes ago or how many likes we got on Snapchat, right? That is not going to be how it works. We are going to be focused on that. It's important that we understand this because, because what we are at our core are relational beings. And this is a relationship that ultimately we're pointed to, our connection with God, our relationship with God. Jesus talks about how we're relational beings. He says, when he's asked a question, what's the most important commandment? He says, to love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. To have that connection with God, that relationship with God, and to have a relationship, a loving relationship with other people. And he says, if you don't have that, doesn't matter what your job is, doesn't matter what school you went to, doesn't matter what sports you played, doesn't matter what accomplishments you have, doesn't matter what your kids can do, that you can brag to other people about how they got to it before other children get to it and how advanced they are, but you try to act humble about it in the middle of the whole thing. They were saying, Jesus is saying, you are missing the whole point of why you're here. We are relational beings at our core. That is where fulfillment comes from. And so heaven is about where we're face-to-face in that full relationship with God. Our attention is squarely there. Heaven is not what we often hear about in culture, where people say, well, they love playing golf. Now they can play 18 whenever they want to. No, they can't. No, they can't. There's no golf in heaven. Whether you like golf or not, it's not about that. It's so much better than that. It's so much better, right? And here's what it's also not, and this is okay for a pastor to say. It's not an eternal church service. Thankfully. I don't want to do this for all of eternity, right? 
It's not an eternal church service. It is about the moment where our relationship with God comes face to face. And our attention is squarely there in looking to the face of our God. That moment will fulfill you and I to the point that we are filled to overflowing and we'll lose track of all time and space. Nothing else will matter. No distractions anymore. Now, what else do we see here? Because there are a few things in this passage that we read about attention. We also see in this that not only is our attention on God, but we realize again that God's attention is always on us. That's what heaven's about too. God is with us every moment, constantly, never distracted from what's going on in your and my life. We read about this two weeks ago in our Rescued series where we were looking at Moses. And it talked about how Moses, if you remember, uh, uh, built a tent of meeting. Whenever the people would camp out, they would build the tent of meeting. And the tent of meeting is where Moses would go and God would descend in a pillar of cloud to the tent. And it said that the two of them would speak face to face as friends. And what the scripture said when it talked about that, if you remember, it said whenever Moses would go to the tent of meeting, God met him there. Whenever. There was no point when God looked at him and said, dude, I just am booked up today. Can you come back tomorrow? Right? I've got a famine happening over here. I got a war and genocide happening over here. I just don't have time for it today. Right? And so, but if you come back tomorrow between 11 and 1130, I can book you in for a few minutes. God's attention, God is not distracted no matter what else is taking place in the world. God's attention is totally on us at all times in every way. It says, whenever Moses wanted to go, God met him there. So heaven is about where that becomes our reality, where God's attention is on us. It's about where our attention is on God. But lastly, we see that it's also a place of attention where we are there in community. Heaven is very personal, but it's not individualistic. And that's important in an individualistic age when more and more common, the most important thing to our identity is who I say I am. My rights, my truth, my way of being. That in our culture today is becoming the ultimate trump card that any of us can use. Nobody can tell me what my beliefs are. Here's the deal with heaven. You're not the big idea. Everything's not going to revolve around you and your truth and your way of being and everything else. We become a part of something larger ourselves. We are ones who are worshiping God, but we are inextricably linked in community to those around us. It says that every tribe and every tongue will gather together in that place, and we will be one linked together family of humanity gathered around the throne of God. And so there is a holiness to the attention that's also placed in how we follow that God together, how we're linked together, right? And so there is very few things that you can do that are as sacred in this world as putting our device down, inviting someone to coffee, and asking what's going on in their lives. That's like one of the greatest gifts you can give to anybody in this culture that's showing we are increasingly lonely, especially men, to be able to invite someone to coffee and just say, How's, what's going on in your life, and how can I pray for you? And then to carry one another in prayer before the Lord. There's something sacred about that, to follow in community in that together. So that's the fabric of what we see here in heaven, is that it is a place where God's attention is on us, our attention is on God, no distraction to that, and we are paying attention to one another as one family of people. The fabric of heaven is about attention, not distraction. And so over the course of Lent, what we're going to do is invite you into various practices of paying attention to God. 
of doing the sacred work of giving holy attention to the things that are most important. One of the ways we talk about that in the church is through prayer. We're going to try to lean towards prayer is another way of saying it, right? But what we want to do is take the roof off during Lent of what it means to pray. Like, I think most of us get in this mode, and it's like, well, if the pastor prays, and if it's done this way, or if I say the right things, then God's going to answer what I say. Prayer is not a form. It's a way of being. It's a state in how you live in connection with God. And we want to take the roof off. And, and every week, what we're going to do is we're going to examine a way of paying attention to God and paying attention to each other. And then we're going to invite you every single week into a specific practice of it. We are not going to do what Presbyterians often do, which is analyze and read a book about this. We're, this is about an experience. Heaven is not going to be something you read about and analyze. It's going to be an experience that we are welcomed into. And the goal that we want to do in Lent this year is to be drawn into the experience of paying attention to God and the joy of celebrating that God pays attention to us and that we're in it together. Okay? And we're excited, if you can't tell, to see what this is going to look like as we focus on the main things. All right? Bridging the gap between heaven and earth. This is what you're made for. This is where it's all headed. All right. So how are we going to do that? Well, starting today, we're going to look at a different scripture passage that is going to guide us in the specific form of prayer and invitation that's going to be before this community today and this week. Okay? Um, and before we read it from Isaiah chapter 6, let's just pray together and pray that our attention would be on God and God would open our minds and hearts to what he wants to say to us today. Okay? Let's pray. Lord, we do pray in this age of great distraction that you would help us this day to lean towards heaven and to the attention that is at the core of it all. May our hearts and our minds be open and touched by you and your power and your love and your glory this day. And may we worship you in spirit and truth, an abundant life as we go forward this week. We pray for this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So going back to the Old Testament... That's what's going to guide the, the invitation to prayer and practice this week. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. This is what Isaiah experiences. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so what we're going to see in this is that the first thing that happens when Isaiah encounters God at the temple is that we need to see the parallels between John, what the revelation John gets that we read about before, and this. In both places, we see God on a throne. We see the fullness of God, the power of God on display. I think we can summarize that Isaiah would not have been distracted in this moment. I don't think he would have been checking his phone for who had texted him three minutes before. I think he was fully present in the moment as God was fully present in the temple. As we see in heaven, seated on a throne and circling the throne. And the first thing we see here, and this is a pattern we see over and over and over again in Scripture when the creation encounters the creator, is that the first thing that always happens is that we praise God. 
before any action, before any call, before any demands, before any plan that's given, the first thing that happens is what we see taking place with the seraphs. And we're just going to keep this scripture passage up here. With the, the seraphs, which are angelic, holy, heavenly beings, that they are encircling the throne of God, calling to one another, the scripture says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. This is praise. We praise and worship God before anything else comes. So what we're going to do today and this week is we're going to talk first, like, what does this word praise mean? And second off, what's the invitation for how we do it? Okay? How do, this is, th th how do we do it? Now, when we talk about defining praise, I want to look at the scripture and what it says, because it's, these seraphs are giving us a sense of what praise is right? Because they are calling out to God and saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. They're just encircling the throne, flying and calling this out to each other. Now, what does this mean? What words are they using? Well, first off, the thing that we see here first in the first line is it says that the Lord is of hosts is holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. So if the seraphs are going, you don't want to know what God is? First and foremost, he's holy. We got to know what that word means. It comes from the root Hebrew word kadosh, which if you remember nothing else today is just a fun word to say when you're driving home, okay? So repeat it after me for a second. Kadosh. Kadosh. All right, so what the scripture is saying is that the seraphs are saying God is kadosh. God is holy. And what that means is, is that the seraphs are saying, first off, the thing we know about God is that God is set apart. There is nothing else in the world like God. There is nothing else in creation like God. There is nothing that compares to God. There's nothing that is in the same vicinity of comparing to God. God is set apart, sacred, holy, pure, and worthy of devotion. That's where it starts. That we have to understand this. That, that again, that heaven is not where everyone and everything revolves around us, but God is the object of worship. And that we lose our, attend, our, our time and space as we focus on the one true God. But secondly, you see in the second line there, and then the seraphs say, and the whole earth is full of his glory. Now how, think about how those two lines compare to each other. The first thing they say is that God is kadosh. God is, is separate, holy. And then they go, and the whole earth is full of his glory. Think about that for a second. It's, it's amazing what they're saying. What, what many world religions teach is saying that, is that God is kadosh, God is holy, and God's here and you're here, and the point of religion is to learn enough rules to work your way up and have the spiritual resume so maybe you get really close to God and qualify and get into heaven. The entire thing that the seraphs are teaching us is that our tradition teaches the exact opposite. Our tradition teaches that God is holy, separate, removed, and yet God in his glory does not give us one spiritual criteria that says, if you don't do this, you don't, you don't get to come into my presence. We have no idea what Isaiah's spiritual resume is. Doesn't matter. God comes to him. The book of Revelation, we have no idea. John at Patmos, who's given that revelation, you have no idea what his spiritual criteria is. Where he's good, where he's bad, doesn't matter. God in his love comes to John, and God comes to you and I as well. God cares about this world and fills it to overflowing with his presence and his blessing. You want to know why we worship? That's why we worship. Because God is sacred, holy, other, beautiful, pure, and yet comes to you and I in love. That's why we worship. 
That's why we praise from the beginning. If you know nothing else about God, that's where we start. The seraphs are showing us. So we want to invite your attention to be on that God, that practice of praise. So last, so how do we do that? Again, the text will lead us. The text will guide us. When Walter Brueggemann, who's an Old Testament scholar, was writing about this passage of Scripture right here, he says that it's important to understand that when the seraphs are crying and calling to each other these words, holy, 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 that they were not uh, saying them in, a, in a, a, an academic way, right? Uh, that the way it's written and that the verb in Hebrew of calling means that they were chanting it or they were singing it to each other. They were not going, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Does everyone have an academic understanding of what it is that we are now proclaiming as we circle this? No, they're just going, holy, holy, holy. They're singing it to each other. They are so overwhelmed with the presence of God that it just erupts from them in song. And so song and music is going to be the way that we are invited to, to worship and experience and have our attention on the praise of God today. It's why we have the horns. It's why we did the music the way we're doing it is to just praise and worship, to give glory to God, to hopefully let our hearts come alive in worship at the glory of the one true God and let loose. But we don't just want to do that today. We were, we're invited to pay attention to God in this ways, And so we thought, and we're wondering, it's like, now how do we give to the people at Covenant a, 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 a way of praising God in song as we go through uh, our weeks? In the era I grew up, and some of you might have grown up in this era, what I would have done is made you a mixtape. And some of you have done mixtapes before. You've, like, made them. You've, like, worked over them. It's like, I don't know. i got to get the timing so there's not, like, eight minutes of silence at the end of a side. But I also don't want to have the song run out. I mean, you would spend days coming up with the formula for how to make a mixtape of songs uh, to each other. For John Wasson, our associate pastor who was here before, the, the bearded one, uh, he, uh, he would have burned a CD. He didn't do tapes. But John was burning CDs. Some of you may have done that as well. Today, obviously, the way we listen to music is streaming online. And so we have created at Covenant a Spotify playlist for this community to be able to praise and worship God this week. We're going to bring the link uh, up here right now. It, it's in the, the bulletins that you got. It's going to be on our website. This is uh, a link on our website that whether you have an Apple or an Android device, you can go on here. Many of you already have Spotify. If you do... Uh, you can type in holy attention, and we're the only thing that comes up. Either because our idea is so original or the title is so bad no one else wanted to use it. I don't know. But if you type in holy attention, which is the theme for Lent, our Spotify playlist will come up. It's free. I want to emphasize that again. It's free. The Spotify gets nothing from this. Uh, it, it, you can go on the link. There's also a, a, a premium link where you can pay. You don't have to do that. You don't have to pay anything. Uh, I want to head off the emails now. They're going to come in going, well, I don't have to pay for this. You don't have to. There is a free link that all of you have access to. You can sign up and go to it and then type this in, and it will be a way that we can engage in worship when we're in the car, when we're exercising, when we're in office, that our attention can be on the right main things. To worship God through songs, to let loose in our hearts 
to praise the creator of the entire world who is holy and yet loves us still. If our attention is on that, then we are going to be growing closer and closer and closer to what the scriptures say heaven will be like. What you're made for, which is to worship and give praise to our God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we do ask that you would draw our attention in and that our attention would be, be rooted and grounded in the fact that you never waver in paying attention to us. May our hearts and our minds be locked into you this day, this week, and may praise erupt from our very beings as we celebrate and give thanks for you. Draw us in, we pray, and may we come alive. And we lift this prayer up in Christ's name. Amen.